to me, and I know you you might argue a little different than me on this, which is fine, but I think the only way that you're going to increase contact across the board via rules is to make the strike zone smaller. No, and I think it, make it bigger. No, see, the problem is, it, it, to me, if you have more to cover, mm-hmm. you're going to swing and miss more. Good. If, mm-hmm. if you want hitters to hit the ball more, make them have a smaller place that they have to be responsible for covering. Completely, utterly, emphatically disagree. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball brought to you by Clauses by Design. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Several times a week during spring training, way back in Jupiter, Florida, KMOX's Kevin Wheeler and I would talk baseball on a Facebook Live, and some of those conversations would be repackaged and used on KMOX later that day, or you might have seen them in video form on stltoday.com. We'd talk for 10, 12, 15 minutes and give updates on the Cardinals. We'd riff on the lineup. We'd talk about what the bullpen might look like and and maybe explore other issues that were going on in baseball at that time. During a recent conversation, as we set up the road trip to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., Kevin meant to ask a simple, brief question just to close out the conversation. What followed was an ongoing debate, a deep dive straight from basically barstool to barstool, old-fashioned baseball talk into a very modern issue Major League Baseball has and two wildly different opinions on how to solve it. There was Kevin's opinion on how to solve it, and then there was the right one. A kid. A kid. Kind of. No, I'm kidding. Maybe. A little bit. Anyway, here, unedited, is that discussion. We start by talking about the Cardinals and the clear and present question that the rotation still poses as the team nears May and a 17-game, 17-day stretch where they'll shift to a six-man rotation. And then Kevin asks the question. And what follows is a discussion on what to do with the strike zone to increase the amount of balls in play and thus the pace of play. Do you increase the size of the strike zone or do you shrink it? It gets heated from there, about 17 minutes into this podcast. Hope you enjoy. All right, we're live on a Thursday. Kevin Wheeler, Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch here. Shockingly, Derek, we're going to talk a little baseball. I don't know why we would do that, but that's what we do. So let's uh, dive it's right into... what people want to talk to me about. I mean, let's well, be honest. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you too. I mean, yeah, same with same. I would be happy books or uh maybe the latest <laughs> development in i mean i can uh, talk politics but no one wants to do that let's talk i baseball. don't want to do that <laughs> i mean you, we just you have to do it start start a separate podcast there you can make all those things happen yourself you know sure sure yeah <laughs> like five people will listen <laughs> <laughs> all right so we get a few things we want to run through today Let, let's start with the business of the cardinals right you got an off day you're 500 mm-hmm. after 12 games some of the things that have been problems were seen as problem, right? And we mm-hmm. we knew that sorting through the outfield, for example, was going to take some time. It wasn't going to have an immediate solution. We're like, bingo, three starters and they're all good. We knew mm-hmm. it was going to take some time to sort through this. Uh, but I would argue, and I, meant, I mentioned this last night, I would argue that the biggest concern for now isn't necessarily that or who hits where in the order, it's the rotation starting to live up to what it was supposed to be because that was supposed to be one of the strengths of the team. And if that's mm-hmm. good, if that's what it was supposed to be, the other problems fall a little further down the ladder and you have more time to deal with those. Is that a weird way of looking at it? 
Not at all. The you know what the Cardinals are showing everybody is what 2019 and 2020 would have looked like without elite pitching. This is the team they would have been. They would have been a 500 team kind of searching in the standings. And, you know, that's what kind of stands out to me is the ripple effects that have come because the starters aren't going deep. Now, you know, that's thrown what should be a strength, the bullpen out of whack because you have guys like Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos pitching in games where they're not scoring any runs. That puts an emphasis on the offense to then – you know, get early starts, you know, on the offense against some, okay, starting pitching, some pretty good starting pitching, but you have to get early starts then to rationalize in the National League, letting the starter go deeper into the game and not going to a pinch hitter when you need the offense. I mean, just all the, the cascade effect of not getting deeper appearances from the starters. I mean, one quality start in the first 12 games, one, that's one, Yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, the Brewers. That's only only four. one out. Only one guy. That one guy is the only one that even recorded an out in the sixth inning. Am I right? Correct. That is correct. Yeah. 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 And uh, the Brewers, meanwhile, had had four consecutive starts that were not only quality, but they allowed one or fewer earned runs. So um, you can see that the, you know the Brewers' pitching depth is better than advertised, or maybe maybe better than people expected. I mean, I thought that they were sneaky good coming into the season, and the Cardinals just have not been. Um, and the the ripple effects are are significant. I mean, it's just really it's leading to the fact that it could capsize other parts of the team, and that's the sign of a real trouble. Is one that not only is subpar on its own, but one that exposes and weakens or anchors other strengths. Now, the question the question that the Cardinals have to face, and really all teams do at this point, is how much of those short starts are self inflicted. In the sense right, that right, if you're conservative right. and you your first instinct is to pull the starter and cover with the long reliever because they didn't work hard last year. How much of that discussion is self-inflicted? And, you know, we're going to see with the stretch coming up here, Kevin, when the Cardinals play 17 games in a row, we're going right. to see how they prioritize rest for the starters by inserting an Oviedo um, as a sixth man. And that probably is an indication of what's guiding their hand and how conservative they're being this early on and the costs of that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And again, we know that potential reinforcements are coming I and mean, we know that Kwon Young Kim is back this weekend. Mm -hmm. So that's another, that's a, I mean, he, he is another higher level of pitcher that steps into your rotation, at least based on what we saw last year. And if he's even close to um, right. that as far, I mean, and I don't think we, any of us expect the 162 ERA, but if he's just close to being as consistent as he was last year, throwing strikes and things like that, that should be an immediate help. Because in a lot mm -hmm. of these cases, Derek, I mean, it's not like they've all gotten blown up. There have been bad innings that have gotten away. But, you know, I mean, we saw Gant have a couple of times where they didn't give up a lot of runs, but there were a lot of long innings and you're only going five. And they tried to go beyond that and it didn't work out uh, the other day. And by the way, I, I really appreciated uh, Mike Schilt's thoughts after that game. Um, it, uh, it just basically second guessing himself and saying, right. you know, that probably wasn't the right way to go in retrospect. So I thought that was, you know, acknowledging that there were two arguments there. I thought that was really good. So yeah, it was kind of vintage or kind of shades of Tony La Russa when he didn't want bit, yeah. about the offense. He took the play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad strategy, but it, it was also a legitimate point in this case too. But yes, you're it right. Was. I mean, it was a lot of good managers do that. 
maybe a little bit of context though for fans is not to look at the innings. The innings are a big part of it and they help us tell the story. Right. But look at the pitches. And right. John Gant, that question comes up and, and Jack Flaherty. And actually Adam Wainwright brought this up in his post-game comments after the Yachty 2K game is that you know the first innings have been difficult. And and Flaherty kind of brought this up too, is that he went out there and he touched 95 in that first inning because he said, look, the first inning has been problematic for the rotation as a whole. Right. That doesn't mean they're giving up runs. That just means they're not getting through it in 10, 12, right. 13, 15 pitches. It means they're getting through in 20, 22, 24. And all of a sudden, right from the gate, you've exhausted this, you know, a quarter of the pitches that you might get, which by the time you get to the fifth inning, even if you get some eight in it or eight pitch, 11 pitch things, now you're starting to look at, you know, what the Cardinals like count up as far as stress innings. And that's really what right. teams are looking at is is bulk pitches. Mm-hmm. It just happens that we can tell the story with the innings, but teams are looking at bulk pitches. Yeah, I- innings is a, is an oversimplification, right? I mean, they're going to be looking at that pitch count. That's the workload. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you could, if, I mean, you know, a hundred pitches over seven innings is not as difficult as a hundred over five. Right. It just mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, again, and if anybody wants to figure this out in their own world, uh, go run a series of one hundred meter sprints and run, you know, let's say ten of them but separate them and give yourself five minutes in between each and then do them all back to back to back to back and tell me which is harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a lot harder when you compress the work and that's what happens in those long innings. And I, I think, you know, again, that leads to the next step here to me, which is how much are they going to be willing to churn the pitching staff as the season goes along? Cause it seems like there's not a, a great desire to do that, which I understand because nobody likes that. Um, oh, the starting rotation? I just mean in general. I mean, like, you know, it, I, they're going to turn it a lot. They're going to they have to, right? Yeah, they're. I mean, they're set up to do so. They, I mean, they telegraphed that coming into the season, season with partially how they set up who's on the 40-man, partially who they invited to spring training, um, you know, some of who they've invited to uh, the alternate site camp. I mean, they have telegraphed the fact that they're going to continue this uh, I-55 shuttle, you know, the Ponce de Leon route, if we will. Um, you know, he's not going to be able to ride it because he's right. out of options, right. um, but everybody else who can will, and that will include, you know, Oviedo, obviously, I mean, he's poised to bounce back and forth. He and he and Cody Whitley seem to be running a tag team shuttle. Um, you know, you use the track metaphor. We can go that one step further, no pun intended, and say that this is a relay race. I mean, they're going to pass the baton yeah. over and over and over again. You know, I mean, and Genesis Cabrera could be a huge factor in this bullpen, but he could also be opted out and, you know, be gone for 10 days um, or, you know, six days and then they have an injury, you know, or they go, well, we got some double headers coming up depending on how the schedule plays out. It sure seems like some teams, it sure seems like there should be an expectation that there'll be some double headers this year, but so they could make a move there too as right, well. Right. Where a guy comes back as a 26, right. you know, the, the whole, the whole, the whole pitching staff is set up really. Um, the rotation is firewalled against it, but the whole pitching staff is set up um, to really, you know, have a little bit of a musical chairs throughout this season. How well does that work? If you have everybody healthy, because when you have Michaelis back and then Kim back this weekend, Mm-hmm. Ponce is out of options. Um, you're not, I'm assuming you're not sending Gant down. Um, you know, I mean, right. Hicks, Reyes, I mean, like Andrew Miller, there are a lot of pieces that are not going to go down. So, I mean, I guess we're looking at one guy, maybe two and who like yeah. when, when everybody's healthy, right? When everybody's healthy, you've got yeah. the five men in the rotation, Ponce and Gant go to the bullpen. 
which means mm-hmm. two of the guys in the pen that are there now will not be there. Well, actually one right. more because P- Ponce is there now. Right. And I think that's going to end up reducing some of that flexibility unless you're willing to send Cabrera out or Hicks or, you know, or, or Helsley, I guess. I guess it would depend on who needs the rest or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Right. And yeah. I think they're willing to do that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. People should brace themselves for that. I mean, yeah. and it might be like um, Hicks goes on the, I mean, you know, you hope that he doesn't encounter any problems, but say, you know, he has some soreness or some dead arm all of a sudden the IL, you know, mm-hmm. or some, I mean, they're, they're, they have the flexibility. This is by design that, yeah. and it's going to take some, it's not going to be ideal. Look, I mean, there's going to be service time questions. There's going to be frustrations. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good point. You know, last year, Ponce de Leon ran into that, right? Where he, I think, made four starts or something like that and got credit for exactly five days or something crazy, but they, you know, increased his salary, but that's not going to put him any closer to say, uh, you know, super two or, or arbitration. He's going to have to get it some other way, but he did on the other hand, he did burn all of his options. So he's in the majors this year. Um, <laughs> you know, they also have the spot on the bench and they can flex with that too, where they'll grow, you know, the bullpen, take one off the, uh, off the bench, especially if they have interleague games. That, yeah, again, that that's probably the timing, right? Because, you know, when you look at flexibility and also, you, know, you got a little less flexibility there than you'd like, right? Because you have to have one catcher. You're going to have to keep Sosa unless you're going to expose him to waivers. Mm-hmm. So not a lot of mo- room to move there, but you do have outfielders that can come and go. And, right. you know, and it's interesting to see how that goes. All right, so let's quickly yeah, just... all of the outfielders can come and go. Right. All of them. Yeah. And, and when the two guys that are out now are healthy, um, it's still that same group of guys that can rotate, right? They can right. all come and go. All right, so real quick on the outfield here, Derek. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything's been surprising so far. I mean, we haven't had anybody jump in and say, other than Carlson, which I think we anticipated. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. jumped in and said, I own this job, right? I mean, Tyler O'Neill struggled. We haven't seen Bader yet. Um, I think Justin Williams it's has come shown- as close some- as anybody. I agree. I mean, you know, people hate this. I know, and if you're going to yell at me, fine, yell at me, but- Batted ball information matters, and he's hitting the ball hard regularly. Mm-hmm. And if given at bats, if it continues, and I said this about Goldschmidt the other day, Derek, and got no pushback at all because it's Goldschmidt. Right. <laughs> but it's the same principle. You know, Goldschmidt a couple of days ago had the most hard hit balls in baseball, but yeah, an OPS 22. in the 500s. Yeah. Bad luck, right? And then, of course, first at bat after that, uh, he hits a home run and starts to you know put up numbers. I think and, some of that is visual, though. Like people saw Goldsmith put a ball to the left field wall, and then correct, saw right. Goldsmith put a ball to the right field wall yeah. in the same game, and he goes over two as a result for yeah. you know two balls that went a combined seven hundred and twenty feet. Right, you know he's over two. Whereas we've Justin seen that with Williams, Williams too. Well, he's a little bit different hitter, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a guy who oh well, that's a double, okay, but it's a lineout, you know, right, that kind right, of thing. Right. Um, so it's a little bit difficult visually. Uh, you said no surprises. Um, I would offer up one surprise. Are you ready for it? Yeah. The outfield defense. The outfield defense has surprisingly been. I I meant no good surprises, but yes, (laughs) I would would agree with you. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't compute with the skill sets that are out there. Um, Dylan Carlson has played center field quite well, really well. He's been he had a great catch. Um, I think he said some throws. I got some pushback on Twitter that, you know, I whatever. We're watching a different game. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, it's it's okay. Um, but Dylan, I think, has played well in center field, and I would hold that up against anybody. I think Justin Williams, with each passing day, has played more assertively in the outfield. Um, I do find it fascinating 
that we have already seen Tommy Edmond in right field and Justin Williams in left field more than they played those positions combined all spring. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Um, so spring doesn't mean anything still. You know, um, he, I mean, they, they took reps out there and during BP, but the focus for Justin Williams really was right field. And then yeah. all of a sudden wasn't. And then, you know, for Tommy Edmond, it was really second base and shortstop. And then now all of a sudden it's not. So, right. um, you know, I think that there's the, the outfield defense um, is really something that was costly. I mean, it's been costly. And that's not something you you see much from the Cardinals. No, good point. Good point. All right. Two other quick things um, mm-hmm. separate from current events on the cards. But obviously important nonetheless. Um, let's talk a bit about Jackie Robinson Day for a second, because mm-hmm. you, you wrote a really great and in-depth piece uh, in the paper today about Jackie Robinson and that relationship with the Cardinals and that transition of power in the National League back in the in the forties. I thought that mm-hmm. was really interesting and a lot of great, you know, kind of follow-ups on storylines that we had all heard about throughout our lives, just to kind of, I don't know, line things up and and look at of how that those two franchises went back and forth with each other and how that transition happened. A disclaimer, that was from last year. I just oh, that's right. You posted it, it today. today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just am fascinated by that. I mean, uh, the, the stat that sang out to me um, is, you know, like Stan Musial won three World Series, right? The Swifties won three World Series during wartime. Um, the Cardinals were, by every measure, the class of the National League in the 40s. And they also had one of the best players of the 40s, actually multiple of the best players of the 1940s. Um, But Stan Musial's last World Series game was at age 25. That's crazy. Age 25. That's Jack Flaherty's age. I know. You know, that's that's like the that now you go like, well, guy, he's just starting his career. He played 17 more seasons and didn't get back to the World Series, which how would that process now? I mean, imagine if Yadier Molina, that, that would be Yadier Molina went to the 2004 World Series and did not go back again. Yeah. We're, that's what we're talking about. Can you imagine that? Like we, that would, that would have just blown Cardinal fans minds that like Musial would never go back. Well, the reason why is because, the, or a huge reason why is because the Dodgers took over. The yeah. Dodgers became the dominant team in a National League when winning the pennant was the only way to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers did that by integrating, and the Cardinals did not keep up because they didn't integrate. They were slow to integrate. They had one of the most talented hitters the game had ever seen, um, but they were slow to, you know, slow to pro- slow to the progress that baseball made. And that's what yielded the throne. You know, I mean, that quite honestly, that's what did it. You know, you look at yeah. a Cardinals team that have been quicker to do so, including talent right in their backyard. Um, if they had just been willing to do that, if ownership had just been willing to, hey, Branch Rickey's on to something. We've benefited from Branch Rickey before. Yeah. But maybe maybe we should pay attention to this. But they were slow to do so. Yep. And that's absolutely crazy. 17 years. That's- unbelievable. Yeah, that's stunning. Absolutely stunning. Um, last thing I have for you, Derek, um, and obviously we, uh, we we may not have time to do this in too too great a t- detail, but we will do it in a haiku. Okay, you ready? Very good. Yeah, very good. All right. So we have. Uh, I don't know what haiku is, but okay. No, I do. I do. I'm kidding. I like to play dumb sometimes uh, because I am dumb sometimes. the The best way to, to to start this part is I'm cool with experiments and trying to see what will and won't work at the minor league level or an independent ball and all that. So I'm not really upset about the idea of trying to see what it looks like with the mound moving back. I understand 
Mm-hmm. You know, velocity has become a major issue. Everybody throws hard now. I mean, every team's got a story of a guy that three years ago was throwing 93 and now he's throwing 100. Mm-hmm. You know, every, I mean, these guys, they, the, 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 the learning curve on velocity has been growing exponentially. We know more about the biomechanics. We got all this great tech that can show you where you're mm-hmm. right and where you're wrong and what you need to fix and all of that. So it, it is getting harder to handle velocity in the major leagues. It is something that's an issue. Um, what they're experimenting with is moving the mound back one foot. So 12 inches, which is a one and a half percent difference from where it is now to where it would be with that one foot back. It's 726 inches to the plate now, and it would be 738 if you move it back one foot. One, how much of a difference does that really make when it comes to perceived velocity at the plate? Because what's measured is the ball out of the hand, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody throws yeah. 100, they're still going to throw 100. The difference is is going to be what it's like when it gets to home plate, how much of a difference in will one or two miles an hour, for example, that one and a half percent really have the kind of impact that we're looking at. And do you worry about at all unintended consequences of curveballs curving more and sinkers sinking more? And to me, that's more difficult than handle to handle for a hitter than an extra two miles an hour. Yeah, I also worry about unintended consequences of injuries. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you're asking um, a rather significant change here. This is not um, – I get lowering the mound, raising the mound, changed the dimensions of the game. However, it did not change the length of the throw. And now you're talking about changing the length of a throw. So now, you know, we could do the math on it. You know, Adam Wainwright's curveball, does it, it break that much further away from the plate? Does it – you know, wh- how much? how does he have to throw it you know, or a sinker or a cutter. Um, you know, what, what I, what I just on a small scale, the pitch that, you know, has really radically changed baseball, obviously over the last say 20 years, right. Is the cutter. I think we can agree on that. Right. Okay. So now all of a sudden the cutter is either going to, I mean, a lot of times that cutter is going to be a ball now, right. Because are you neutralizing the cutter completely by doing that? Because, but it'll still look the same to the hitter and they may swing at a ball that's further off the plate. But no, they'll know. They'll know that pitch at that that looks like that is not going to make the plate. You know, it's not going to have the distance to cover it. So then, do pitchers have to throw it that much harder? Like, what's the physical? Pre- and I don't have an answer for it. Right, right. I'm with you, it's worth asking. Like, what's the fatigue factor? You know, we're already seeing pitchers go. You know, f- pitch fewer innings. We're going to see it significantly this year and we'll see if it ever accordions back out to even 200 innings being something but you could see it being 180 innings now all of a sudden is the wear and tear such that it's 160 now all of a sudden is it the wear and tear such that you know there's no such thing as a pitching rotation anymore there's just a pitching staff right you know i mean i don't i don't know i just think the unintended consequences are significant because like would you consider moving the bases back a foot not re- I mean, again, no, most likely not. Right. I mean, but it's one foot. It's not a huge difference either way, but no, I probably wouldn't. Right. Well, how would that, that would radically change the game. Yeah. I mean, I think, mean of how, we, think of the no hitter and how yeah. different that game, that no hitter would be yeah. with Jose Abreu just trotting over to first base. Cause it's one foot further. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I, I don't know that anything, one thing is going to work, Derek, but to me, and I know you, you might argue a little different than me on this, which is fine, but I think the only way that you're going to increase contact across the board via rules is to make the strike zone smaller. No, I think make it bigger. No, see, the problem is, to me, if you have more to cover, Mm -hmm. you're going to swing and miss more. 
Good. If you have less area to cover, so think of it as a defender. If if mm-hmm. if you're not going to shift and a second baseman has to cover that whole side of the field, mm-hmm. he's not going to get to as many balls as if you shift and cover all of that ground with three guys rather than two. Totally. And understand. if you take the the area of the strike zone and make it smaller, mm-hmm. you're going to have more opportunity, less less. You're going to have more chance to make contact. Now, initially, you're going to have more walks. Because you're going to have mm-hmm. pitchers that are used to the old strike zone and pitches yep. are not going to get called. But we've yep. seen this in every other sport. When the NFL changed rules for defensive backs and their coverage, we had a boatload of penalties and it was ugly for a while, but they mm-hmm. figured it out. And what did the NFL get? More offense. The right. NBA did this. They had to move right. away from clogging the lanes and they had to move away from all the contact and the holding and pulling on shirts. And initially there were a lot of fouls and it was awful and it was boring but they got past it, and now they have more offense, and we've seen the same thing in the NHL. Mm-hmm. If you want hitters to hit the ball more, make them have a smaller place that they have to be responsible for covering. Completely, utterly, emphatically disagree. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Uh, and I, 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 you know, we, we could go on for 20 minutes, and we probably should. We probably should have this conversation. But you need to – I think it's counterintuitive. You have to you have to make the strike zone bigger. You have to lower it. You have to lower it by the width of a ball. That's it. Keep the height where it is. Lower it by the width of a ball. Just to just add that one ball so that it goes beneath the knee, right there to the top of the stir. How does that get to more contact? Because it makes more contact lower in the zone. Hitters have to adjust because now that's a strike. And what kind of pitch gets there? The, the kind of pitch that remember when you were playing as a young kid or back there in college, what were you taught to do? Hit the ball hard up the middle, right? Well, I mean, right. depend, it depended on who the hitter was, but for the yeah. most part, yeah. Just, for the I mean, most it, part, it, like hit the ball hard up the middle and you wanted to put it through the pitcher's chest, but also a hard up the middle used to be a good thing, right? Used to be. Well, I mean, it, it is a good thing when you're a kid and you can't hit the ball over the fence. Right. You know, when okay. you're young and you don't have any strength, the fly balls and out. Right. When you're not, when you're a grown man, the ball in the air goes over the fence. Correct. But what changed? So we saw a shift in our lifetime here, actually, in the last 15 years, where the sinker ball has basically been eliminated from a lot of things, right? From a lot of pitchers, it is. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of pitchers because of the the launch angle, right? So how do you reestablish that pitch? Remember, the sinker pitch was a contact oriented pitch, right? That pitching coaches like Dave Duncan preached, get the ball in play, get the ball in play early, let your defense work for you, pitch efficiently, have this pitch to go to. to. I mean, I saw him explain it to Joel Pinheiro with the one seam sinker. I saw him explain it to Brad Penny, who in a lot of ways was ahead of his time with the way he pitched, but then found a second gear by going lower in the zone. So to bring that pitch back into Major League Baseball, lower the strike zone, allow the sinker to play, and watch hitters adjust because they have to cover and what they're not they adjusting now. Half of them have the other half of the field well, that nobody's even defending. Now, but that they're my point is though, they're not adjusting now because of how people are pitching them. Well, right? they're not adjusting now because you get paid to hit for power. Correct. You don't get paid for singles. So that's very true. You, you know, don't. if you're gonna tell a guy he's got the entire opposite side of the infield wide open and they don't right. adjust to that, what makes me think they're gonna adjust in this? Because they're going to because strikeouts, they're not going to hit that ball. They can hit that ball for power. They can still hit it for doubles. They can still hit it for they're just not going to hit it over the wall, but they're going to have to adjust because that's an out. And you know what still counts is outs are bad, right? So this and this is also my thing is like it'll mean more balls in play. It'll mean less balls in play. But it means more ground balls initially, right? Yeah, I mean, isn't that the right. point? But ground, exactly. but ground balls are outs. So 
I don't care if it's a six, three ground out versus a strikeout. It's still a simple out. I want more like, no, you want more balls in play. I want that's what a ground out is, but a ground out is not exciting. Right. It is a triple is exciting. I don't play third base. Come on, man. That happens. How many times a week? Five times a week out of the hundreds and hundreds of balls that are put into play. They're called called routine for a reason because most of them are routine. Right. I know. Don't don't that doesn't get me off my seat. So it gets the game moving faster and there's the chance. <laughs> the whole point of baseball is the potential for something, right? That's yeah, the yeah. whole allure of baseball is the potential for something. And one of the reasons why fans aren't keen on it now is because there's not the potential for something. There's the potential for a strikeout. There's a potential for a home run. There's a potential for the walk. And mm-hmm. we've, we've taken out the randomness, the tension of what's potential. If you put the ball, if you lower the strike zone and you put more balls in play, yes, more hard ground balls in play, you increase the potential, the potential of what could happen. Don't you do that with a smaller strike zone as well? What's that? Don't you do that with a smaller strike zone too? Bring it, bring it, bring it down a couple inches, bring it up a couple inches, maybe keep the width the the same. Because you cater to the power zone. If you shrink the strike zone. Yeah, that's what people like. People no, like they, they, like they want balls in play. Yes, but there will be more balls in play because once you learn not to swing at the ball out of the zone, the pitcher has to throw it in there. What are the best counts to hit in, Derek? 3-1. 3-1. Why? Why is 3-1-2-0-1-0-3-0? Why are those the best counts to hit in? I didn't know you to like, list them all. But no, but, but whatever. Why are hitters counts considered hitters counts? Because, because the pitcher has to, to throw the, the ball them. over the plate. Correct. They have to th- and and to, and they have to reduce their margin for error by okay. throwing the ball more towards the middle of the strike zone and not to the edges of the strike zone. Okay, so here's and my that's where the power comes in. That's where the totally action understand. comes in. I agree, and I understand that that's and and look, I, I understand your point exactly. <laughs> but what my concern there is, and again, and I realize I'm being counterintuitive, but let's look at it this way, okay? is when Mark McGuire was the hitting coach for the Cardinals and other hitting coaches think this way too, but they talked about the counts just like you did. Okay. If you are at OO or one O or two O or three O, you have no reason to expand your zone. Exactly. Find, yeah. find a shoebox mm-hmm. where you can drive and put your best swing on it. Now, as that count changes, as the strikes go up, Oh, one, right. Right. Two, right. One, uh, expand the strike zone. He goes, learn to cover more of it. Know what you can do. Okay. So that to me is a very interesting way to look at hitting, right? And you just described it is start with a shoebox and the, and know that that's where you can do damage. This is this. If I, if a, if a, if a pitch is in that zone, I'm putting it off the wall or over it. And I know it. And there's no other reason for me to look for a pitch anywhere else at OO or one O. Or three, two zero. You know, I mean, bar, barring situations, right? I mean, situations right, can change situations. that, but generally speaking, that's exactly right. Yes. Okay. So, if that's the sense, if we can agree that that's a really good thought process as far as the approach for a hitter, then by shrinking the strike zone, you then cater to the fact that there that the count is always is going to be in their favor more often, regardless of what the actual count is. You have brought you have brought the strike zone into their hot zone. Okay, my proposal is to actually force hitters out of that shoebox earlier, force them to cover lower, so that they have to put more balls in play, and that those balls in play, yes, they'll be on the ground. No one says you can't hit them hard. Go ahead, hit them hard. Adjust your swing. It used to be a thing. You could hit that ball, that pitch hard. 
my point is that now you've forced them to go, okay, I need to cover just that much bigger of a shoebox. I need to cover that much more and I need to change my swing or change my thought process to cover more ground and become more complete hitter, which is what we talk a lot about and cover more of the zone to do so as opposed to shrinking it and say, hair pitcher, put it in this realm where it now it's BP every weekday. Well, it's not going to be that big of a change, number one. And number two, it's simply taking away some of the advantage pitchers have gained through just advancements in in biomechanics and you know learning yeah. about how to throw hard. So we're trying to change it. And the and to me, giving them more zone away from my eyes mm-hmm. is not going to make me a better hitter. It's okay. not going to make it's not going to make me produce more. I might hit more ground balls, but again, if the if the philosophy is going to stay what it is now, and they have not shown nobody in the major league has shown any desire to change the philosophy. They Correct. would rather strike out on pitch number five or six in the count than ground out on pitch number three. They would That's absolutely take that. Fl- and it's not going to change that philosophy because they have shown zero willingness to go that way here in the last 10 years. I'll give you I'll give you an argument that you could make against me that you almost got to there. Oh, right? I missed. Okay. You almost got to. The argument that you could give against me is the fact that if you put more balls on the ground and you continue this philosophy – then you're also talking about more double plays and the teams will willingly yeah, take yeah. the strikeout for the one out over the two. And so you might get even less action, but I'm willing to bet that you won't. I, yeah. I, I'm just in talking more and more with even some hitters who obviously would be totally against widening the strike zone. I've just asked them like, what would you do? Or yeah. talking with executives, obviously pitchers love it. Give it, give it back, give that pitch back, get this thing. Like why? I'm and also like it would change the shifts. I just by the way, are we are we talking about taking the top end down at the same time? No. So then that's too much to cover. You can't. You I mean like every hitter, every hitter, every hitting coach, every manager I've ever heard bark at an umpire is something along the lines of they can't both be strikes. You can't give him the top and the bottom of the zone because why not? That's what the strike zone is. Because you can't. I know, but like if you're gonna give when they say give give them the outside and the inside, you can't. Right, that's exactly right. And and by the way, I'm not saying that the black on the outside and the black on the inside. I'm not saying the umpire shouldn't. Right, I'm not saying it shouldn't be that way. I'm saying that's the philosophy. That's the whole way that hitting is viewed because you're 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 kill. The point is that you're killing my hitter by making him cover extremes. Yeah, you're killing him, and he can't do it. They yeah. just can't. There's not enough time to do it. You okay. have to. And this is why hitters have to pick, as we talked about, you pick an area where your strength is. Right. And, you know, again, based on scouting information, it can change, right? Okay, this guy likes to throw me a first pitch slider, so I'm going to look for it this time. Like, there are things that change that general approach. But you mm-hmm. start with an approach, and it's usually where you can do damage. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why you do damage in those spots. Because mm-hmm. it's it's easier to do damage in those spots when the ball is more toward the center of the strike zone. Correct. Yeah. Right. So the, the more we give the on the goes. the the more we give to the edges, the the less contact, the less quality contact you're going to have. And Correct. I and again, we're you know I guess um, in in all cases we're assuming something would have to change, right? I mean, pitchers would have to change where they throw the baseball, and it wouldn't be dramatic because I'm not talking about six inches here, six. I'm talking about a couple inches at the top maybe an inch or two at the bottom and just making it a slightly smaller version of what it is now. Would you shrink um, home plate too? Uh, no, probably not. I mean, I, I'm okay that you could, because right now hitters will tell you, I can't cover the inner side, inner half of the plate and the outer half of the plate at the same Correct. time. I got to pick, pick, I got to pick one or the other. 
you know, baseball's hard. But yeah, it is. So let's not make it harder by making them have co to cover more ground. So again, if you're an infielder, is it easier to cover more or less ground? Are you better at your job? Will you make more plays if you're positioned in a way? Literally apples to oranges. No, it's not. Covering more ground, regardless of what the job is, is more difficult. I'm covering more ground if I'm an infielder. I'm covering more ground on a random ball with my wingspan and my athleticism. You know, but I'm talking about I mean, just in randomly. General. I don't know like where for example, the ball like, go. For example, with the but shift, I, right? I mean, they I'm shift a, because covering the area with three people is correct. better than covering it with two. That's correct. Less area to cover for each guy makes it more likely you're going to get the result you want. I, I understand how. Like I understand how shifts work. I've seen. No, I know, but so, but again, if we so if, again, what would be the point of what they're doing now, which is experimenting with eliminating some elements of the shift, right? Making it so you can't be on the grass. You you want to make people cover more ground mm -hmm. so that more hits can get through, right? Like right. Sports are are basically about time and space, right? right. What they Absolutely. what they did in hockey to create more time and space is eliminated the hooking and the holding and all that kind of stuff to give freedom yeah, because of movement, they wouldn't freedom widen the ice. You know why they wouldn't widen the ice? Ticket sales. Well, yeah, true. You're moving people further okay, away. So, yeah, you're, yeah. so yeah, real, real focus on the game there, NHL. Way to go. Well, but you know, what no, what happened though? It led to more offense. It all did. They had, all they had they to had, do was enforce. I, mean, I, covered the, I covered that All Star game where that yeah. happened, where you saw the left wing lock. Not to get all hockey on you, but you got you saw the left wing lock at an All Star game. Yeah. You know, Frank Madonna's out there. Going, <laughs> he's out there going. Wait a minute. What am I doing? This is an All Star game, and we he's locking yeah. down the you know the 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 neutral zone there. Um. Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I completely understand what you're saying. And I realize what I'm arguing is counterintuitive, but I cannot stress enough that like, look, you know, one way to get rid of, I don't, I don't understand the ban, the shift because why not yeah. ban the slider? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I understand that too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I one way of trying it, but I'm with you in general. I think that we don't, we, we don't want to keep taking strategy and knowledge and information out of it. I think we all agree that the better way, even you and I agree, the Venn diagram of our discussion here is more balls in play. It's yeah. how do you get there? How do you and, legislate it is the hard part because that's right. what we're arguing. Because we philosoph philosophically, it's easy. Change right. your approach as a hitter, but it's not going to happen. No, how we, do you we, force we, it? And, right, and this, th yeah. that's why I think you have, and, and again, I realize it's counterintuitive, but that's why I think you have to lower the strike zone. You have to force the hitters from this approach, cater to. And by shrinking the strike zone, you cater to it. Have, you have, have to force uh, them out of it. Have you asked pitchers about that idea? Mm -hmm. yeah. My guess is they love the idea. Well, that's what I'm saying is pitchers <laughs> love the idea. But, but even like talking it through with hitters, like or talking it through with fielders, the idea is, you know, there are doubles to be had by hitting the ground, the ball hard on the ground. It's just not as many doubles. Um, it's not as much power. But there are hits to be had by hitting the ball hard on the ground. And we don't see that a lot. Um, and if you do, how often do you see it hit into the shift? I mean, Johnny Peralta would well, That's another problem with the defensive positioning. More ground balls is more outs now than it would have been in any previous generation ever. But you would Because everybody knows where to play that guy based on what he does when he hits it on the ground. Not if you change the strike zone because that will put more balls in play all over the place. So guys that pull now would not keep trying to pull because the strike zone is lower. Part of why they pull is because of where they're looking for the pitch, no? Well, ideally, but no, because they try to pull everything, even the ball away, oh, which is fair. why they which is why you away. get all those ground balls to the to that's the pull fair. side. <laughs> that is fair. That's fair. 
Yeah, that that is true. Just you know, you, you're talking about a different kind of swing. I think what this boils down to is you have more faith in hitters adjusting than I do. <laughs> I don't yeah. think they will. I think you'll see the strikeouts continue. I think they're going to keep doing what they're doing right now because what gets paid is hitting the ball over the fence. Right, that's I what gets that. you paid. And as long as that's the price, or like salary structures based on it, just like mm-hmm. just like relievers, right? I mean, if you're going to get more benefit from having saves, well, guess what job you want? You don't right. want the seventh inning fireman where you're actually maybe the more important guy. You want mm-hmm. the guy that's going to get that stat that's going to get you paid. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's kind of where Josh Hader was a little earlier, right? He doesn't want to do that whole come in right. in the sixth or seventh inning and he wants to pitch Just in the ninth inning. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I think that, that right, so maybe we have to incentivize it financially somehow, mm-hmm. change yeah. how players are paid. And if we could figure that out, um, we'd be pretty smart. I mean, one way to do that is to alter the the way the the dimensions of the game so that that it forces hitters to do something else that then is valued by the team or changes the style of hitter the team's value yeah all right well i i think i've already taken way too much of your time talking but that was great by the way i love doing that and by the way if the two of us were just sitting at a bar right now doing this the conversation would go for another like 45 minutes (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice to be able. But at to, least then we'd be hanging out eating burgers or something instead. Of, I would be, I would totally be drawing pictures on napkins, proving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. We'd be looking at actual diagrams. Well, this is good. We will have to re, we'll revisit some of this stuff down the road when it becomes a topic again. Um, but that's why you're the man because you think differently than me, and we can bounce things off that are not exactly the same. But then walk away at the end and say, "Good job, brother." Good job. We don't have, we, we don't have to hate Kevin. each other, right? <laughs> Derek, we're an example for humanity. We can argue and disagree and then walk away at the end and say, have a nice day. Oh, you froze up. Oh, you froze up for a second. You didn't. Yeah, I just said we're two guys talking baseball. Yeah, that's it. Good times. Thank you for doing it, buddy. I will look forward to everything. Are you Are you uh, traveling this weekend? Are you yeah. heading to Philly? Yeah, yep. right. back on the road for the first time in a long time. Um, only flight in many, many in wow, many months now since 2019 was to San Diego. So now I got, now I got a stockpile of them. So I'm getting, uh, so I got to get back to used to that again. Well, safe travels, my man. We will definitely talk to you again soon. Keep up the good work. All right. Thanks. Yeah. I'm not driving this year. So, you know, nice. little, well, little quicker trips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> See you buddy. Thanks to KMOX and Kevin Wheeler for allowing me to use this audio and to share it with you as we had this discussion. Uh, Went on again for a little bit too long for a video and a lot too long for a radio show. So that's one of the great things about the podcast is it offers a venue for that kind of discussion, that kind of debate. Let me know how you feel at D Gould on Twitter at D Gould on Twitter. You can side with Kevin or, uh, or side with me, or offer up a completely different solution to this question. I look forward to hearing from people. You can find all of the Constant Cardinals coverage at stltoday.com. That's where you'll find Rick Hummel's coverage as the Cincinnati Reds come to Bush Stadium for a three-game series. You can also find podcasts there, um, including Dave Matter and Ben Fredrickson on Eye of the Tigers. And because Ben Fredrickson is the man of many talents and the man of many assignments, he also has Inside Pitch, our baseball video show there with Jeff Gordon. The best podcast in baseball is available wherever you get your podcast. You can get it on Stitcher. You can get it on any of the apps. You can, of course, get it on iTunes where you can rate and review the podcast. I do go there and read the reviews so that I know what to do because the best podcast in baseball does not exist without the community of people who have stuck with it and continue to listen to 
into it. You can also subscribe to the best podcast in baseball. Subscriptions make the sponsorships possible, and sponsorships make the podcast possible. The best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN. That's 1-800-BY-D-E-S-I-G-N. Closet by Design, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. Looking forward to more discussion about what to do to help improve baseball because, really, that's the ever-present conversation. As much as the standings will have everybody's attention, so, too, will what the game will look like in 2022 as it has a new CBA, possibly some new rules, and all sorts of things are being experimented on in the minor leagues. Thanks again for listening to the best podcast in baseball. Stay informed, stay healthy. Talk to you soon.